Hey, welcome to the Graceful Warriors podcast. This is where faith meets fortitude. I'm your host, Monica, and I'm here to walk this journey of life with you. But hello, we have to do it one step at a time. So I am inviting you to join me as we explore the art of gracefully navigating the challenges of this world while staying true to our beliefs and embracing that warrior within. God is calling the body of Christ to rise up. So if you are ready to rise higher and embrace his light, well then warrior, this podcast is for you. Grab your sword and let's dive in. Well, hello, Graceful Warriors. How are you doing? I hope you had a great weekend. We're in the middle of the week. We're at hump day, right? I'm sure you're tired, but keep going. Press on. You'll get to Friday. I know you will. So, oh my goodness. Did you guys get dumped on like we did? We got about probably about three inches of snow, maybe four inches over here in Idaho. And um, I hear everybody got dumped on over on the East Coast. So be safe, guys, out there. I know it's the weekend. You want to want to rest, at least while I'm doing this recording, it's the weekend. <laughs> you know, um, get your rest. I know you got to go plow, guys, and get all that snow out of there. So hopefully, you know, they say that March comes in either like a lion or a lamb, right? And so we're all praying, Lord, please come in like a lamb. <laughs> so... Um, so we've got a really big, big deep dive um, that we're going to do today, and I'm excited to get into it. I'm excited to show you some things, and I would just pray that your heart would be opened um, to, and your ears would be open, and that the Spirit will allow you to hear what the Word is saying in this deep dive, all right? Because this is this is pretty big. When the Lord brought it to me, I was like, what? Wait a minute. I knew of this particular topic, but I had to do a deep dive. And the Lord just gradually did this deep dive with me. And I was like, no way. And um, But first and foremost, um, house cleaning. We were able to record last Friday, uh, Kelly K., he is the ex rock tour manager of Nickelback, um, Red, Richard Marks, and many more. And he had a powerful testimony, you guys. That is coming out probably at the beginning of March. And what we've got coming this Friday is a gentleman by the name of Garrett Hope. And that, um, oh my gosh, I really enjoyed this conversation with him because. So many times when we talk about it was it was about money and how the believer looks at money. And you know, you know, so many times when you hear like the church talk about money, you know, we kind of cringe going, ah, what now? You know, we're trying to make ends meet ourselves out here while we got the old man in the office, right? And but talking to him and how we deal with money and how he came to the concept of the Lord bringing him in from teaching music to actually teaching the believers and how there is a biblical way of looking at money. Instead of going, well, I have to see according to my money, my bank account. 
And instead it's going, well, I have to see what the Lord says about contributing to this or purchasing this or using my money for this. You know, the word of God says that the root of the, the, um, the root of all evil is the love of money, right? And so Garrett Hope went into that. What is that love of money? What does it entail? So it's a great story. It's coming up this Friday with Garrett Hope. All right. And um, then we've got Kelly Kay coming out next month. We're getting ready to record um, part two of the dreams and interpretations. We have a previous guest. Um, if you remember listening to Dr. Karen Lydell, when she talked about how she came to the Lord, she was freed from witchcraft. Well, she ends up getting her degree, you know, in psychology. And she talked about renewing our mind in Christ. And so Dr. Karen wants to come on and say, let's look at this from the perspective of how our minds work in dreams and how God comes in. And, and will speak to us in dreams. And how to decipher between, you know, those two. Because oftentimes we're going, was it just me or was it the Lord, you know? And so we're going to sit down with her and let her um, uh, share with us how she looks at it from her profession as well as the word of God. And it was amazing. She helped me even understand a dream of mine that I was not being able to interpret and um, I was like, oh, my gosh, this fits, right? Okay, so, um, and then thank you for all those uh, that prayed for me last week. Uh, Friday, I went to my church, shared my testimony with the ladies. It was great. It was well-received. Um, it made an impact on about three different women that approached me. And um, so I just thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your prayers. I really needed it. I was able to get through it. I wasn't nervous. The Holy Spirit just dealt with me. That um, Just his love of me impacted me so much that I started crying when I read a couple of things that the Lord wanted me to share. And because I just, re I, it made me go back to what a deep love he has for you and for me, you know. And so it really impacted me. So I hope it blessed the ladies. We will see as time goes on how the Lord takes that testimony and uses it for, for his will, right? Okay, so deep dive time. I hope you've got your Bibles. I hope you've got some pen and paper. Um, we're going to get knee deep into this. And um, I just want to say that if you're listening for the first time, welcome to the Graceful Warrior Podcast. I'm your host, Monica Hansen. And this is a podcast where we encourage the listener to walk your journey with God through grace and grit. And you're like, grit? Yes, grit. Sometimes we as the body of Christ need to remove our heels from under our gown and lace up those boots and go to war. All right. All right. Amen. So, all right. Today's study, I'm going to show you um, if you are listening to this on Amazon, Spotify, Apple, I would encourage you just for the sake of this study today, if you know how to get onto Rumble, uh, if you know how to get onto YouTube, um, go down to the bottom in the show notes, click on the link for either my Rumble or YouTube video, 
and go um, watch it versus listening. If you have access to a computer, go watch it. You know how to get onto the computer and use all of those different things. Um, I would encourage you to watch this because of what I want to show you in this study today. So hopefully I don't mess it up. All right. All right. So my topic today, and this is a big one. And I was like, are you sure, Lord? Because I never knew really a lot about this. I want to talk about the paganism of Lent and its origins. You know, so, so many, and I'm going to be looking down a lot because I want to make sure that with my notes that I have, that I say it right, because I know this is a highly, highly sensitive topic to the Catholics, to Protestants that do celebrate this. So if I'm looking down, I am using my notes today, all right, then to just go right off the cuff like I normally do, because I want to make sure that I say it right. I don't misquote. And next thing you know, you guys are blasting me with emails, okay? <laughs> all right, so Lent, do we, if I were to ask you, do you know the origins of what they called Shrove Tuesday or, or Ash Wednesday. We hear of that, you know, well, it's Ash Wednesday, you know, or people say, well, it's the 40 days of Lent and Easter and, and, but is it biblical? Do you really know what this Shrove Tuesday means? Do you really know what Ash Wednesday means? We see Hollywood stars with the Ash cross on their forehead. But where is it biblically? And so when I first heard of Lent, you know, and certain people that would come around, because I didn't know a whole lot of Catholics. I really didn't. And I began to, um, I remember when, when I was first married, my husband had told me, what's Lent? And I was like, I don't know, you know, and he goes, well, I thought it was a Christian thing. And I was like, no, because I've never heard it before. In all my life of being raised in church, I never heard it. And, um, but I've heard it uh, amongst a couple other people that I knew that were Catholic. And so I'm like, I think it's a Catholic thing. But it, I, it never like went any further. It never stirred anything within my heart to go, well, what is Lent? And then for some reason, the Lord just like put it on me to start diving into Lent. And I was like, this is strange. Okay, I don't know why I'm studying this because I don't celebrate it. And here's, I want to read this to you because I want to get this part right. Shrove Tuesday, or what is known today, as Mardi Gras, as it is commonly known, literally means, and I'm sure those that go and do Mardi Gras know it means Fat Tuesday. It means Fat Tuesday in French. It's called Pancake Tuesday in England, and it's associated with the Roman Catholic custom of Lent, right? But is it taught, like I said, in the Bible, would God want Christians to observe this? Well, the idea of Mardi Gras, if you've ever been to Mardi Gras when you were not saved or maybe you live in Louisiana and Mardi Gras is all over. Because isn't it odd, Mardi Gras is really only celebrated over there in Louisiana. 
We don't celebrate it here in Idaho. I don't see it celebrated in California. I never saw it celebrated in Texas. You know, restaurants would kind of like, you know, oh, it's Mardi Gras and they would decorate. Here's your Mardi Gras sandwich. You know, they would do simple things like that, but not the way Louisiana goes all out on this holiday. Women are flashing, guys are taking beads, putting it around them. Is that really godly? No, we know it's not. So why is it that, that, that Mardi Gras is even mentioned? And this is supposed to be Lent. This is supposed to be the oh, holy time, right? How did Mardi Gras get into this? How did Fat Tuesday and Pancake Tuesday come about into all of this? I'm going to tell you. All right. The idea behind Mardi Gras or carnival celebrations is that people overindulge before giving up something for Lent which begins the following day with Ash Wednesday, right? Lent is the 40 weekdays from Ash Wednesday to Easter. It is observed by the Roman Catholic Eastern and still today some Protestant churches as a period of penitence and fasting. Hmm. Did God call us to fast in this manner that people overindulge before you'd come and give it up. Let me just take all that I can and let me sin. Think about it now. Let me sin all that I can. Let me get drunk as fast as I can and pass out before I have to give it up for 40 days. Would that be biblical? Hmm. Think about that, right? Lent was a time of penance, of fasting, of abstinence. Folks abstained from all sorts of good stuff, including meat. God said that he created it. And then he said, he looked at it and said, this is good, right? They also gave up eggs and dairy products. So on Tuesday, before the start of the Lent fast, folks cleared out their cupboards of all the foods they could not have for the next 40 days. Wow. I don't know about you, but I don't know if I could put away like that steak or barbecue chicken or the ribs, or, you know, things like that or whatever, whatever that says they got rid of eggs and dairy products can get rid of the cheese, no omelets in the morning, no eggs in the morning, right? No, no cheese on the burger. They cooked them up and then, and then they ate like pigs. In essence, they feasted before the fast. They feasted on everything. I can't have this, so I'm going to overindulge. Thus, Fat Tuesday, right? Thus, Pancake Tuesday, like they called it in England. Hmm. So I'm going to read you a definition. Here's, I went to the Catholic Encyclopedia, and I went, okay, what does Lent mean according to them? Right. So I'm going to read this is according to the Catholic Encyclopedia. The real aim of Lent is above all else, above anything else, guys. To prepare men for the celebration of the death and resurrection of Christ, the better the preparation, the more effective the celebration will be. One can only effectively relive the mystery 
only with purified mind and heart. The purpose of Lent is to provide that purification by weaning men from sin and selfishness through self-denial and prayer. By creating in them the desire to do God's will and to make his kingdom come by making it come first of all in their hearts. Man, as a believer, there's so many things wrong in this statement right here, right? So I want to go ahead and give you, here is the breakdown. I want to show this to you, this video, just so you hear it from another person besides me. And I've put the video in my notes. So if you can get on there and you go down to the show notes, you'll see resources. I have put a bunch of things that I have been using for this specific study about what I'm about to dig in. The videos, there's a couple of videos there. One's probably an hour long, maybe. But man, is it worth watching if you have time on a rainy day, snowy day. Sit down and watch this. All right. So I want to show you this. So if my screen goes wacko, just give me a minute, okay? other denominations. But is this 40-day period of fasting biblical? Let's examine both scripture and history to find out where Lent comes from and what purpose it serves. Let's begin by looking at the source and see what the Catholic Church says about Lent. According to the Catholic Encyclopedia, the real aim of Lent is, above all else, to prepare men for the celebration of the death and resurrection of Christ. One can effectively relive the mystery only with purified mind and heart. The purpose of Lent is to provide that purification by weaning men from sin and selfishness through self-denial and prayer, by creating in them the desire to do God's will and to make his kingdom come by making it come first in their hearts. So according to the Catholics, the purpose of Lent is to purify us and make God's kingdom come. Really, they're claiming that through self-denial, we can become pure. The Bible says that we are made pure by the shed blood of the Messiah. No amount of fasting, absence, or self-denial can purify us from sin. Lent promotes a works-based salvation that diminishes the saving work of the Messiah. Lent is used for fasting from sin and from vice, forsaking sin and sinful ways. Paul had some important things to say about this form of self-denial used to try to produce your own godliness. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why as though living in the world do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Lent is a doctrine of men that commands denial of certain things for the purpose of purifying yourself. The problem is that you cannot purify yourself. So where did the observance of Lent come from? In AD 360, the Catholic Church at the Council of Laodicea officially commanded the observance of Lent. So 300 years after Messiah's death and resurrection, the Roman Church established its practice. However, the Babylonians had a tradition of weeping and fasting and mourning for Tammuz, which is very similar to Lent. And some have speculated that this might be the actual origin of Lent. In fact, the prophet Ezekiel saw a vision about people mourning over Tammuz at the temple in Jerusalem. 
So he brought me to the door of the north gate of the Lord's house. And to my dismay, women were sitting there weeping for Tammuz. Then he said to me, have you seen this, O son of man? Turn again, you will see greater abominations than these. Is it possible that Ezekiel was seeing people fasting at Lent in the same way that pagans fasted for Tammuz? Today, it's popular to have a big wild party right before Lent begins. Mm -hmm. This party is referred to as Mardi Gras in French or Fat Tuesday in English. And in Latin countries, it's referred to as Carnival, which comes from the Latin carne veil, which means goodbye to meat. This day of celebration has come to include wild parties, fatty foods, fornication, drunkenness, dancing, and various forms of lewdness. It's the last chance to get your sinning in before the fast begins. Mm -hmm. There's nothing biblical or godly about that. Immediately following the wild parties on Fat Tuesday is a day of fasting and repentance known as Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday derives its name from the practice of placing ashes on the forehead of adherence as a sign of mourning and repentance. It's a day of fasting, mourning, and, and penance. It might have the appearance of godliness, but it's not at all biblical. Our Messiah taught us that when we fast, we should not give the appearance that we are fasting. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting. But to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. In the Norse religion, placing ashes on one's forehead was believed to ensure the protection of Odin. Also, it's important to note that they put ashes on their heads on Wednesday, the day named for Odin, Woden's Day. Lent may seem like a sincere, heartfelt religious observance, but it's not at all biblical, and it seems to have connections to paganism. God hates all pagan observances. They cannot be Christianized or made clean by men. That includes Lent. And in vain, they worship me teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Messiah and his disciples never observed Mardi Gras, Ash Wednesday, Lent, or Easter. This is important to know because we're supposed to follow his example and do the things he commanded. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Messiah never commanded the observance of Mardi Gras, Ash Wednesday, Lent, or Easter, but he did command us to celebrate Passover in remembrance of his death and resurrection. Wow. Let me get that stopped right away. That was like amazing, right? I mean, it, it went, made my mind just go like that. So I want to read something to you in reference to that. And I hope that it better explained. That was kind of basically what I'm going to go over. And um, so he gave you the gist of it. So I'm going to slow it down just a little bit. Okay. All right. Um, so let's go to Galatians 5, verses um, 16 and 17. And in here, I want to show that the Bible clearly shows that self-control and temperance comes from having God's Holy Spirit working in our, in our life. Um, so verse 16, Galatians 5, verse 16 and 17. It says, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want verse 18 let's read that one real quick 
But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So see, here it is, is that they're, they are saying to be able to go through Ash Wednesday and the whole Lent period. Uh, they are thinking that by, by doing this fasting or beating yourself up, you know, I've seen the old movies, was it the, the Da Vinci Code where the guy was beating his back, beating himself into, it was self beating, self-discipline in a bad way. He was beating himself as the penance for what he was about to go and do. But we cannot punish ourselves. We cannot bring ourselves into penance towards God. It's by the grace of God that you're saved, right? It's coming into his, his presence. It is admitting that our, our sins to him and giving our heart and our life to the Lord God Almighty and let him wash us through the blood of the Lamb. That's the only way that we receive the Lord's forgiveness, his blessing. There's, there's no way to get penance for what we have done by go, going the way it is going now, right? Through this, through Lent, through this Ash Wednesday time. It's it's a fasting from sin and the vices that they choose to, to step into. Okay, we have to put all this on hold because this is holy 40 days, you know. No, that's not true at all. As a Christian, we when we accept the Lord, we are washed by his blood. And then there's a stirring within us to always follow after the Lord. The, the spirit, like we just read here. The spirit and in flesh are warring against each other. But the more that you put the word of God in and feed your spirit and deny your flesh, the more that the spirit overcomes and becomes stronger because it's got spinach word, you know, if that makes sense. It's got the word of God as its spinach, as its fruit, food, as its strength, because the word of God is what the spirit needs to fend off all things and for us to be able to, the scriptures will come to remembrance when that sin or that vice comes in front of you. Then it's a matter of the Holy Spirit helping you fight that off daily. It's a dying to, to yourself daily, dying to self so that the, the, the word of the Lord, that his spirit can manifest in us the way it should be to pick up our cross and follow him. Does that make sense? I hope it makes sense. So, and just like he said, um, it was never observed by Christ or his disciples. He commanded his disciples to, in Matthew 28, 19 to 20, go you therefore and teach all nations, teaching them to observe all things, whatever I have commanded you. And you know, I, I when, when I was looking this up, and I was going to different websites and reading, going, Lord, am I am I looking at this as this is wrong just because it comes from the Roman Catholics? And I'm going, no, wrong. You know, am I do I want to make sure that I'm looking at this right. So I was looking every different place. And one of the pages that I came to, this gal said that she was not Catholic, but she was married 
to um, her husband where their family was Catholic. And so she wanted to tackle the, the idea of Lent and she wanted to have an open mind about things, right? And go, well, it's not bad. It's not in the Bible. God never said, but he did say to fast. He did say to abstain from all evil, you know, which really made me think of Paul. And I may mess this verse up because I didn't even put it down in my notes. And so just thinking of it. So be patient with me. But the scripture that, that came to mind is that one scripture that Paul talks about um, that everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial, right? Just because you have free will to go and do anything doesn't mean that we should do it. There are penalties in the spiritual realm if you do that. If, if that was the case, why not go sit down with a Ouija board and say, oh, I just want to talk to my grandmother who's a Christian and there's nothing harmful in it. She's Christian. She's in heaven. I just want to speak to her. We, we don't do that. We, we abstain from those things. It's a wicked thing, right? So too is the same as this time frame right here. Okay, give me a minute. I'll be right back. My dog needed to go outside to the bathroom. So, and he's been hanging out here at the office with me. So I had to go let him out. Um, but I had noticed is that, you know, when she was saying all those things, I was like, wait a minute here. You are allowing this at the same time you are admitting it's not biblical, but we are supposed to observe Passover. And so we can kind of make it seem like it's Passover. So, you know, go ahead and celebrate it. And I was like, oh my gosh, are you serious? And so Paul also warned, you know, with this, with this fasting concept of and by itself, it cannot produce godly self-control. We, we, we can't even have self-control. If you put a candy bar in front of us majority of the time and say, don't touch it till two o'clock and it's only 6 a.m. You know, there, now granted, yeah, there's some people that go, you know what? I just don't like chocolate. So it's no problem to me. But then there's other times where you're just like, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. And then we're picking it up and we're smelling that chocolate, you know, as you're going by. And, um, or you're like just a little bit that we, we lack self-control. And that may be a bad example. Here's a better example. We lack so much self-control that we now have fast food restaurant galore all across the United States because we cannot wait. We are impatient. We want it now. Lack of self-control. Better example, right? Okay. All right. So. Paul warned against using self-denial as a tool to rely on our own will. We can't do that. He called it will worship. And I'm going to show you where. In Colossians 2, 20, verse 23. And I'm going to read this here in my notes because I wrote it all out. Um, that, let me see if I can get to it really quick. And in my Bible, guys, here it is. Verse 20 
it says here, um, since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not touch, do not taste. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use. Don't touch this burger. Don't touch the eggs. Don't touch the cheese. Don't touch in any of that. It's going to die out with its use anyway. Are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship. Right there. Their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. It doesn't hold us back. Okay, we're not gonna we're not gonna have sex for 40 days, you know, and, and it's gonna be the discipline of it. No. God never said to do that. He even said as far as sex, to abstain from it for a moment if you're going to fast, but to not do it in so much as you create your partner to go out and sin and go have a, a sexual relationship with somebody else, you know, or during that time of, of that woman's time. You abstain for a bit for giving yourselves to the Lord, for, you know, that self-sacrifice to the Lord, but then you are to basically come back together again. So they, um, it, it's, it's just crazy. You know, here it is. Even looking at it this way. Is it such a fast that we have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? And I'm reading my notes here. Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and an, as an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to deal your bread to the hungry? And that you bring the poor that are cast out to your house. When you see the naked that you cover him. And that you hide not yourself from your own flesh. And that's Isaiah 58, 5 through 7. And it's so interesting is when I came across this verse. I was actually looking at, you know, I, I used to see my parents go through fasting scenarios. And I was like. It was almost like they were doing that. Both my parents were raised in Catholic homes. So it totally fits now after I've done this study is that they would overindulge in their ice creams and ice cream toppings. They'd get a bucket of ice cream and they would split the heaping bowl of ice cream and all the syrups and everything on it. And then here we go. We get like a little scoop because we were the girls. And then because they felt bad, now we're going into that time of Ash Wednesday or, I mean, it, it clearly makes sense now when I did this deep dive. Then they would put the rest, half of the bucket of ice cream 
in the sink, turn the hot water on and get rid of it. And while we're sitting here as little girls going, ah, you know, ah, ice cream, you know. And, um, but when I saw fasting, sometimes they would do it towards fasting. And I began to go, wait a minute. So my parents fasted like that. Then churches are calling for the, the new year, the first 21 days of January to go and fast. And I was like, I only know what my parents did. I don't understand the concept of fasting. And here I started looking at it and I found that one verse that I've written in my Bible that this means true fasting. And it's Isaiah 55 or 58, sorry, five through seven. You know, and there is comes a time, you know, when when we are to be called to fasting, you know, and there's times where I've heard stories of people coming and saying, you know, well, I'm fasting, Lord, and, and I'm trying to do this to help come closer to you and every all of this stuff. And they're like, the Lord's like, why are you starving yourself? I didn't call you to fast. You know, we do it as I'm going to draw closer to the Lord by fasting, but if the Lord calls you to fasting, then that's what you are, are to do. And the fasting is to go out from what we just read here. The Lord says that when you, when you fast, um, he says, loose the bands of wickedness, undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. Is it not to deal your bread to the hungry and that you bring the poor that are cast out to your house? You're taking care of the hungry. You're doing all of that, right? God's people humble themselves through fasting in order to draw closer to him. Yes, so that they can learn to think and act like him. It's self-denial, right? So that they can live his way of life in all things, right? And so check this out. Um, I, I wanted to read. It is, let me go to Isaiah. I think it is. I no, Jeremiah. If you're if you're following along, um, go with me over to Jeremiah, and it's chapter nine. And we're going to go to verse uh, 23, if you're following along. And these verses will be in the description so that you can also look at them and study it for yourself. All right. So verse 23, this is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts about this you're going to boast here's something to boast about that they have understanding to know me that i am the lord who exercises kindness justice and righteousness on earth for in these i delight declares the lord and that's jeremiah 9 23 through 24 so fasting and prayer helps Christians draw closer to the Lord, not to abstain from all of the sin and the vices and to bring the, the kingdom on the earth faster. No, we didn't read and read that, right? So here's what I want to also 
show you guys. And I'm going to bring this up on my screen so you can kind of read along. And here's where I was saying, if you can get to um, my Rumble account or my YouTube account so that you can see these if you want to. I will be reading these, but to be able to show you on the screen um, so that you can read along with me is what um, I also wanted to do. All right. So I am going to, um, I believe it is this one here. Yes. Okay. So this right here came from um, a, a Hebrew, a Jewish Hebrew that went into the major study of the paganism. And so it's the, his, his ministry is Hope of Israel Ministries, the Ecclesia of Jehovah, Jehovah God Almighty, right? All right, so I'm going to read from here as you guys are looking at it on your screen. All right, um, he says right here in 1 Corinthians at the very top, Jehovah God, Jehovah God is not the author of confusion in 1 Corinthians 14, 33. All right. He never instituted Lent, a pagan observance connecting debauchery to the supposed resurrection of a false Messiah. People who observe Lent may be religious, dedicated and sincere, but they are sincerely wrong. All right. So I want to go, um, he's kind of talking about everything that we just talked here about Fat Tuesday. But what I want to go down here for is um, um, to talk about what it says right here, Pagan Origins of Lent. All right. And it says um, um, right here, Pagan Origins of Lent. Lent was never observed by the Messiah or his apostles. He commanded his disciples to go, therefore, and teach all nations, teaching them to observe all things. Notice that it, this scripture reference that we read earlier is still repeating in all of this that I have found about how wrong Lent and Ash Wednesday is. This author right here, Alexander Hislop, wrote a book called The Two Babylons, all right? And it's a very good book. You can find it on Amazon if you're a book reader. You can and um, check that book out. And so I want to get into all of this. And I want to say um, right here, it, this comes from Lent and all of that was way back then. This is how it originated. And while I read this, I pray that your, your ears and your heart may be open as um, I read this to you guys. And um, I'm hoping that this will bring clarity to this and that we are not supposed to be celebrating this. All right. So coming from the Anglo-Saxon Lenten, the word in, in how you say Lent, it means spring. Lent originated in the ancient Babylonian mystery re religion. Ancient Babylonian mystery religion was Babylon um, 
true worshipers of Christ? No, they were not. The 40 days abstinence of Lent was directly borrowed from the worshipers of the Babylonian goddess. Among the pagans, this Lent seems to have been an indispensable preliminary to the great annual festival in commemoration of the death and resurrection of Tammuz. You're like, who is this Tammuz? Tammuz was the false messiah of the Babylonians. It's a satanic counterfeit of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember how we know that, that Satan is always copycatting what the Lord does. You know, we have the, the festival of harvest. We have, um, but Satan turns it around and he creates Halloween, right? We have Christmas. But Satan turns it around to Santa Claus. We have Easter, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, remembering the Passover, the 40 days of Passover. What does he do? He brings Lent and Ash Wednesday. All right. So he's copycatting everything that God does and turns it to evil. So I want to tell you, this is where it gets kind of deep here. And um, just I pray that your, your heart and ears are open. The Feast of Tammuz was usually celebrated in June. It was also called the month of Tammuz. Lent was held 40 days before the feast. Interesting, right? It was celebrated by alternate weeping and rejoicing. And this is why Lent means spring. It took place from spring to early summer. All right. Now, the Bible records ancient Judah as worshiping this false Messiah. Remember when Israel came in and they were crying out to, um, to Samuel for their, uh, for a king. And then we got our first king in Israel as, as Saul, right? But when the Lord tried to warn Israel that a lot of these things were going to happen, that he was going to take their men and he's going to require money and all of that stuff. That during that time, as good kings came in and bad kings came in, uh, they caused Israel to fall and worship false idols, false gods. They got into Ishtar. They got into the, the Ashereth pole. They did all those things, right? And that's how we found out. You can read all of that through all the Old Testament about good king, bad king, good king. And they, they had more bad kings than they had good kings. And so this is how you get this. And so um, uh, the Bible records ancient Judah as worshiping this false Messiah. Then he brings uh, the, and in Ezekiel chapter 8, verses 14 to 15. I read this entire thing and I'll read it to you in a moment. So this podcast may go or this actual episode may go just a little bit longer but it's because I want to share this with you all. And so that you can hopefully speak up and share, even if you have to share this, this episode to share it. And Ezekiel eight verses 14 to 15, it says, then he brought me to the door of the gate. Ezekiel is having this vision. He brings him, the Lord God almighty brought him to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was towards the North. And behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. He's taking him up in the spirit and he's showing them what is going on in his temple. The, 
the temple of the Lord at the time when they built all that, right? And, um, and he said, this was a great abomination in God's eyes. But why did the church at Rome institute such a pagan holiday? Why did this happen? And here's what we found out. It was to conciliate, to, to meld together the pagans to nominal Christianity, Rome, pursuing its usual policy, took measures to get the Christians and pagan festivals melded together. And by a complicated but skillful adjustment of the calendar, Hebrew calendar and the Gregorian calendar and all that, it was found no difficulty to hide this concept. So in general, to get paganism and Christianity now far sunk in idolatry um, for those that celebrate this, the Protestants that celebrate it, in this as in so many others to shake hands with the paganism of Lent and Ash Wednesday. So the, actually the Roman church replaced Passover with Easter moving the pagan feast of Tammuz to early spring, thus Christianizing it. And Lent moved in. And the Easter Bunny moved in. And they, we have churches that go out and let's just hide the eggs and do this. Let's do, I mean, I have never deep dived into that one. Where in the world did the Easter Bunny come from? Maybe that's one to dig into. Here's this crazy part. Before giving up personal sins and vices during Lent, the pagans held a wild anything-goes celebration to make sure that they got in their share of debaucheries and perversities what the world celebrates today as Mardi Gras, right? And so this, if you want to look at it, um, I'll leave it there for a um, for a minute, and I want to read to you um, Matthew chapter four, verse four, and it says here: Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Afterward. Fasting After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is not written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. How do you do that? You read this word daily. You put it into your spirit so that your flesh has to die and come into the obedience of Christ, right? And so um, we know that to be a Christian and properly serve the Lord, you got to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, recognizing that the Holy Scriptures cannot be broken. God commands Christians to flee from the pagan traditions and customs of this world. And so I wanted to also take you, and I'm leaving this on the screen. That's why I've minimized myself so that you can kind of read and maybe grab some of those scriptures if you'd like. Um, but I want to go to Revelations 18, um, verse 2 through 4. 
and um, and it says here, with a mighty voice he shouted, "Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling for demons." Where did the Lent, or not Lent, where did this Tammuz and everything just come from? What did we just talk about up here? About um, how Judah even worshipped? How Lent originated in the ancient Babylon, Babylonian mystery religion? Now look where we are in Revelations reading about it. Babylon, the great mother of prostitutes. There's a reason that they say that during this time of Tammuz. Everything, remember, it was a great celebration. Everything and anything was allowed to be celebrated. So let's continue reading. Fallen is Babylon the Great. She has become a dwelling for demons and a haunt for every impure spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable animal. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, come out of her, my people. There were people in Babylon that did not do this. And the Lord is saying, come out, come out so that you will not share in her sins so that you will not receive any of her plagues for her sins are piled up to the heaven. And God has remembered her crimes. Wow. Pretty big there, huh? So he commands us to flee from the pagan traditions, to come out from among them. We're supposed to be ye separate and to come out from them, be ye holy. The Lord says to not conform to the patterns of this world, but to be renewed by the, by the word of God, right? And so here it is, Babylon and this Tammuz, the worship of this Tammuz is what Satan used to deceive Babylon. And, and look what the Lord says about it. And so Lent may seem sincere or heartfelt, quote unquote, religion observance, because I hate religion. It is man's way to control the masses and teach you something that is not in the word of God. That's why I hate religion. People say, what religion are you? I said, I'm not any religion. I have a relationship with the Lord God Almighty. All right. So I wanted to, to just let you guys uh, see this. And um, I will put these scripture references um, in there. But I also wanted to read something else to you guys. And let me go ahead and... Um, remove that one. And I want to show you this other one kind of gives a little bit more detail to some things. Um, just this one, I believe. Um, present, show screen. Yes. And it is this one. This is what I want to read to you. Um, okay. 
This is on um, BibleTools.org. It's a great um, resource to use. You can look up, notice right here, it has A through Z. You can look up any topic that you want to look up. You can look up, are we supposed to drink wine? Or um, what does God say about the homosexual world, lesbians, homosexuals, anything. This is a great resource. It has topical studies, definitions, everything. So here I was going to, remember I said I was going to go talk to you about um, Ezekiel. And um, let me get there real quick. I hope you guys are enjoying this study. I hope it's opening your eyes. I know that if we have people that are, that, you know, that celebrate this um, and you're looking at it as, oh my gosh, what? I hope that you would just take it all in, take it to the Lord and let him um, work in your heart and hopefully show you that this is not what he wanted for us to be getting involved in. All right. So Ezekiel, this was Ezekiel is talking about in this vision, there's idolatry in the temple. Okay. And the Lord is grabbing Ezekiel to show him this, but I want to read this and then I will read um, Ezekiel. So in this God supernaturally reveals to the prophet Ezekiel some of the secret sins of the nation of Israel. And one of these sins is lamenting or crying, the, the weeping for a pagan god named Tammuz. Who was Tammuz and why would women be weeping for him? Well, we just found out he was a false messiah, false god in Babylonia, right? And here's what the New Encyclopedia Britannica writes in the article, Tammuz and Mesopotamia religion, God of fertility, embodying the powers for new life in nature in the spring. Interesting, right? Here we go. This nature God was associated with two yearly festivals, one held in late winter and guess what? The other held in early spring. The cult of Tammuz centered around two of these early festivals, one celebrating his marriage to the goddess Inanna, the other um, where they are weeping his death at the hands of demons from hell, or they called it the netherworld. During the third dynasty of Ur, which was um, 2112 um, to 2004 BC in the city of Uma, right? There's a name, Uma. Now we know why, how Uma got her name in Batman, right? Um, which is modern day Tel Joka, all right? The marriage of the God was dramatically celebrated in February and March. Uma's month of the festival of Tammuz, the celebrations in March and April that marked the death of the God also seems to have been dramatically performed. Many of the crying and the weeping for the occasion have as a setting a procession out in the desert to fold of the slain God. Wow. So what does the worship of Tammuz have to do with the sign of the cross? Well, according to that his historian Alexander Hislop, 
the one who did the two-hour study, that I would recommend you go and watch this. It was so enlightening while I did this study. Tammuz was intimately associated with the Babylonian mystery religions that began by the worship of Nimrod and Samarius, their illegitimate son, who we know in the Greek um, mythology stuff as Horus. The original form of the Babylonian letter T was Tau, T-A-U, identical to the crosses used today in our own faith, Christianity. This was the initial of Tammuz, referring to this sign of Tammuz. This is what the, the, the author, Alexander Hislop, says. That mystic Tau was marked in baptism on the foreheads of those initiated into the mysteries. The Vestals, virgins of pagan warm, Rome, wore it suspended from their necklaces as the nuns do now. They wear the big cross. You can look at the Pope and he's got that, right? There is hardly a pagan tribe where the cross has not been found. The X, which in itself was not an unnatural symbol of Christ, our true Messiah, and which had once been regarded as such, was allowed to go entirely into disuse. And the towel or the sign of the cross, the indisputable sign of Tammuz, the false Messiah, was everywhere substituted in its stead. Right? That's what they, they took the cross, they flipped it, they mocked it. You know, isn't it, the, it's, isn't it weird how we see how the, the Catholic faith, they wear the cross, they do the sign of the cross on them. They celebrate Ash Wednesday. They celebrate the Fat Tuesday, whatever they call it, you know. But let's look at, look at Ezekiel now, chapter 8, 14 through 17. And it says here, I'm going to wait. I'm going to go back. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stop sharing that one. I'm going to bring it back to here, and um, I'm going to read um, chapter 8 a little bit. This is uh, the idolatry in the temple. This is what the prophet Ezekiel was shown. In the sixth year, in the sixth month, on the fifth day, while I was sitting in my house and the elders of Judah, Judah were sitting before me, the hand of the sovereign Lord came on me. I looked. And I saw a figure like that of a man from what appeared to be his waist down. He was like fire. And from there up, uh, his appearance was as bright as glowing metal. He stretched out what looked like a hand and took me by the hair of my head. He grabbed him like this. The spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven in visions of God. He took me to Jerusalem to the entrance of the north gate of the inner court where the idol that provokes to jealousy stood. Who was that? Tammuz. And there before me was the, uh, was the glory of the God of Israel, as in the vision I had seen in the plain. And then he said to him, Son of man, look towards the north over there. So I looked, and in the entrance, north at the gate of the altar, I saw this idol of jealousy, Tammuz. 
And he said to me, son of man, do you see what they are doing? The utterly detestable things the Israelites are doing here. Things that will drive me far from my sanctuary. But you will say, see things that are even more detestable. And the Lord's telling him, but wait, I'm going to show you even something else. Then he brought him to the entrance to the court. I looked and I saw a hole in the wall. He said to me, son of man, now dig into that wall. So I dug into the wall and I saw a doorway there. And he said to me, go in and see the wicked and detestable things they are doing here. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, let you go to the bathroom, get a drink, whatever you're doing, right? And um, I know it's been an hour. We're getting ready to to throw it all together, but I just wanted to give you that that break real quick. All right, so we'll do a 30-second countdown. We'll be back right after this. Well, 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 you're back. I was trying to text my husband. I'm coming home. I'm going to do a pizza tonight. <laughs> so um, let me finish the text real quick. Uh, I hope you are enjoying uh, this study. Um, it really enlightened me and it was really interesting of the fact. Um, I put up. I put a U in pizza, so I said I'll be coming home for pizza instead of pizza. <laughs> all right. So, all right, we have the prophet Ezekiel. He's being he's taken to the to the next gate, and the Lord tells him that he needs to put a um, go dig and go see the detestable things that they are doing inside the temple. So let's go there. All right, and um, it says here. So I dug into the wall and saw a doorway there. And he said to me, go in and see the wicked and detestable things they are doing there. So I went in and I looked and I saw portrayed all over the walls, all kinds of crawling things and unclean animals and all the idols of Israel. In front of them stood 70 elders of Israel. The elders are standing in there. And I don't know how to say this name, so I'm going to mess it all up, okay? Jezaniah, son of Shaphan, or Shaphan, was standing among them. He names these guys. Each had a censer in his hand, and a fragrant cloud of incense was rising. They were worshiping. You had the 70 elders there. They were lighting candles. The incense was going. They were in a mass worship of this. He said to me, son of man, have you seen what the elders of Israel are doing in the darkness? They were doing it inside the walls, each at the shrine of his own idol. They say, 
The Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. Wow. To think that what we do can never be seen, that if they do it under the dark, that God cannot see them. I mean, what is it? Is it is it David that says, no matter where I go, if I'm in a cave, you're there. If I'm in a pit of hell, I don't remember who said it. He's been there. There's, there's nowhere that we cannot go that God cannot see us. We think that. And believe me, I've been there. I remember telling God, you stay home. I'm going to go play army. God sees us everywhere. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. There's nowhere. You know, if I have this ball in my hand or if I, my coin, my, my veteran coin that I have, there is, I know this coin. It, there is nothing on here that I do not know about. And if you were to remove something on there, I would know about it. I would see. If you took the E out of a veteran, I would see it. I would notice it. There's nothing on here that you can take off of here that I will not know. And it's the same for you. Something that you have. Maybe your kids, you know, maybe the haircut or the different style Something, you know, it's just there's no way that you can hide from God. They make God like that small, like he's a man that he can't see us, you know. Verse 13, again, he said, you will see them doing things that are even more detestable. I mean, good Lord, we've already been to, what was it, one gate? Is it one or two gates? We already went to the one gate. And he saw what they were doing. Then he goes inside the wall and he sees that they're worshiping creepy thing creatures on the wall. Each one is putting their own pedestal together and worshiping that thing. Seventy elders are in there. He's calling out um, the, the this one guy in Jazaniah, son of Shaphan or Shaphan. He calls him out and says, I saw what if it was you there? What if it was me there? I saw Monica right there. I saw the pastor there. I saw the, the Catholic church right there. I saw they were doing these things. You know, do you put an idol in your heart? Do you have things on a pedestal in your life thinking God doesn't can't see my heart? I've done that. I've had something where I didn't know that I had per, put this person who I respected and a pedestal in my heart until God revealed it to me. And I was praying and I remember telling the Lord, man, you are my everything. You are my all. And he said, really? What about this person? I was like, what do you mean? What about that person? Where is he? He's on a pedestal above me. And I was like, no. And I, I mean, I began weeping and I was like, Lord, remove that person from the pedestal and let no man, woman, anybody that I highly respect or, or admonish ever come before, uh, above you, ever knock you off that pedestal in my heart. So I would challenge you. You know, seek your heart, you know, meditate and think about it's even scriptural that when you lay your head down at night, you know, to search your heart 
Are there things in there that are a pedestal or that are an idol to you that you have put there above the Lord? Because he sees it. He sees it. They think that they can hide in the darkness, but the Lord took them and said they even think that they can hide. Let's continue. Verse 14. Then he brought me to the entrance of the north gate of the house of the Lord, and I saw women sitting there. This is the only reference that you will see Tammuz named in scripture. He brought me to the entrance of the north gate of the house of the Lord, and I saw women sitting there mourning the God Tammuz, the idol that he said. What did he say up here um, in verse 3 at the very end? I saw where the idol that provokes jealousy stood. Verse 14, I saw sitting there and the women were mourning the God Tammuz, Tammuz. He said to me, do you see this son of man? You will see things that are even more detestable than this. The, the temple of the Lord was defiled by the, the worship of the 70 elders were worshiping. They, they had their certain creature that they were worshiping. They put on the pedestal. Incense was going. It was so smoky in there. They went in. He saw that the, the God Tammuz was set in the temple where it's supposed to be dedicated to the Lord. And he says, well, check this out. There's more. He then brought me into the inner court of the house of the Lord. He brought me into the inner court of the house of the Lord. That gets me. And there at the entrance to the temple, between the portico and the altar, were about 25 men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east, they were bowing down to the sun in the east. Their backs, they had turned their backs on the Lord and instead worshiping the sun. Turning east is to turn away from the Lord. You know, Jesus says that he cast our sin as far as the east is from the West. He throws them that far. He gets rid of them that far for his own sake. The East represents not home, not good, right? That's a whole nother story. And I know I'm already into an hour and 16 minutes. He said to me, have you seen this son of man? Is it a trivial matter for the people of Judah to do the, test, the, the detestable things they are doing here. Must they also fill the land with violence and continually arouse my anger? And now God has showed him all these things. Look at them, putting the branch to their nose. Therefore, I will deal with them in anger. I will not look on them with pity or spare them. Although they shout in my ears, I will not listen to them. 
So they put ashes on their head. They were weeping for Tammuz. They were worshiping Tammuz. Is Ash Wednesday biblical? I ask you, I challenge you to think about it. That the Feast of Tammuz was celebrated in June, also called the month of, of Tammuz. It Lent was held 40 days before the feast, celebrated by alternate weeping and rejoicing. We read Ezekiel 8, we read Colossians, we read Matthew, we read Isaiah 9 that talks about true fasting and what it's supposed to do. What they were doing was a great abomination to the Lord God. They set this up. What is the Catholic Church doing right now? Ash Wednesday, they just did that last week. Now everybody's on this 40 day of, of fasting from their vices from their sin so that they could possibly come close to the Lord and that they can abstain from sin because now it's supposed to be all holy and we eat fish on Friday, you know, or they, they, they do this to hopefully bring the kingdom of God to the earth faster, right? We have to, God commands us to flee from pagan religions, pagan traditions, customs of this world. We read that in Revelations. And that all of these things, they may look sincere, they may look good. But see, and here's what I want to add in, in closing to all of this, is that so many people think that when you ask them, what does the devil look like? Well, and I wish I could bring up a lot of pictures for you right now, but it's too late. We're almost an hour and a half into this one. So many people say, oh, well, he's red. He's got horns. He's got a, um, a spade on his tail. He's got his um, his pitchfork. I can't remember the proper name um, of that. And, um, and he's evil looking. Or maybe he's got half body of an animal, you know, and the rest of it is, is red. And he's the devil. And he's despicable. No, Satan doesn't look like that at all. It's not even biblical. Satan was known as the morning star. He was before the Lord God Almighty. He brought worship in to the Lord God Almighty. He was before the Lord. It says the word of God says that the that Satan is a deceiver. Right. He comes in whispering those things that we shouldn't. He, he he tries to come in as an angel of light. He knows the word of God. And that's why he challenged Eve with the word of God. Did it really say this? Did God really say you can't do this? Well, you'll know all things. It, it all matches this. Did God really say that Lent? I mean, you can do Lent. You can do Ash Wednesday. It's not biblical, but the whole concept of it is good you're giving up all of the sin that that you were doing during life and then you'll become close to god he's a deceiver he comes sometimes as that angel of light he was an angel of light 
but God is going to destroy him one day, right? He'll use one angel to wrap a chain around him and he'll be cast out forever. So I would challenge you with this. Even though Lent may seem like a sincere, heartfelt, religious observance, it is deeply rooted in paganism, ideas that counterfeit God's plan. God created everything and he says it is good. God gave us dominion over things. We are to have dominion over him. If we were to give up things, it's to come close to the Lord, draw near to the Lord, not to, not to abstain from sin. Only the word of God can help us abstain from sin as we draw close to, to the Lord and draw near to him and feed ourselves the word of God. Then we, we begin to hate what he hates, love what he hates. And we want to put a smile on our father's face and go, guess what? I didn't do that today. I did great, right? And God says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You did it today, you know? And so I want to leave you with this. We know that God hates all pagan observances, right? I want to read. Um, I'm going to grab my phone for this one just because of time. I want to end this here on the 30-minute mark. And so I'm going to bring up some scriptures real quick. And if you want to write them down, it is uh, Jeremiah chapter uh, 10. I'm in Jeremiah 51. Um, and it is verse two and three. This is what the Lord says. Do not learn the ways of the nation or be terrified by signs in the heavens, though the nations are terrified them by them. For the practices of the peoples are worthless. They cut a tree out of the forest and a craftsman shapes it with his chisel. Let's talk in Christmas. Maybe next time, right? All right. There's also things that I'm going to leave this one alone. I'm not going to even go knee deep into this. I promise we were shut down at an hour and a half mark, but man, I could go so deep into that one. Maybe another one. All right. If you're interested, leave me a comment saying, yep, deep dive into that one. I want to know. All right. Um, and let's go into uh, one more. Leviticus 18, um, verse 3, and it says here, uh, that's 2, you must not do as they do in Egypt, which don't do as the world does either, where you used to live, and you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan. Canaan was wicked. They worshipped idols where I am bringing you. Don't do in Egypt, don't do what Canaan did where I am bringing you out of. Do not follow their practices. You must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I am the Lord, your God. All right. So if it ain't in the word, we shouldn't be doing it. If it cannot prove it in the word, I say nix nine no. All right. They cannot be Christianized or made clean by men. Satan will come in and turn it all around and twist it and make it look like a good thing, but it's not. We have to be able to be sensitive to the spirit and know, Lord God, 
that will lead us into things that is pure, righteous. All right. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, mercy. Against such there is no law. Right. Think on those things. Not Ash Wednesday, not what vices we can give up, not putting the sign of Tammuz on our forehead, thinking that it's the cross. And we're, we're, we're thinking about the, the, the death and resurrection of the Lord. No, I think it was actually, an, in my mind, it was actually an insult. It was a way that, that Satan was trying to mock God of what he knew that Jesus was going to die on the cross for our sins. Because this happened all in the Old Testament. You don't hear about this in the New Testament. All right, but I mean, as far as bringing it to, um, bringing it out to let the people know, all right? That's what I mean. So in closing, if we are a true Christian, we should abstain from these things. And we would agree and say with David, and I'm reading this from Psalms 119, verse 104, through thy precepts. Uh, whoop, that's a little loud, guys. Through thy precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Psalms 119, verse 104. So I hope that ministered to you today. I hope you learned something today that Ash Wednesday, Mardi Gras Tuesday, whatever you want to call it, Fat Tuesday, it's not biblical. We should not be celebrating it. If your pastor is bringing it up, I would encourage you to go search this out. Take it to your pastor and say, this is not biblical. We need to be like the Bereans and even search out the scripture that we hear in church. So I hope this blessed you. And until next week, don't forget to check us out Friday for Garrett Hope as he talks about the believer and money. And with that, remember, you are my battle axe and sword, says the Lord. With you, I will conquer nations and kingdom. Jeremiah 51, 20. And until next week, have a blessed one, everybody. Peace out. Well, as our time together comes to a close, remember, my fellow graceful warriors, that the path of faith is a journey with constant growth and transformation, as well as challenges. But stay strong, stay courageous, and let your grace shine bright as ever. If you found inspiration and guidance in today's episode, be sure to subscribe to Graceful Warrior on your favorite podcast platform or even on my page here at Captivate. And share the light with others who are seeking God's path of faith and strength in their own lives. And until next time, keep your hearts open and your spirits about.